This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. So for more information, go to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, teachers. Today's interview is with Trudy, who is a teacher by trade and ex-principal and also now works in a regional support role as part of Education Queensland. Trudy is also the founder of Teachers Thriving magazine, uh, and it's also a website and a blog, and she's got some fantastic things to share. Trudy talks about her own uh, well-being journey of, you know, the juggling act of balancing having a family and keeping up with work commitments. And she's got some great advice for mums and, and mums-to-be who are educators as well. She also talks about, you know, insomnia and, and that that is a problem that we know a lot of teachers suffer with. And Trudy has some great advice around that and also around the idea of seeking work-life satisfaction rather than work-life balance because, you know, balance is one of those elusive things, but but satisfaction is maybe something more achievable to aim for. And then we touch on Trudy's beautiful magazine, Teachers Thriving. If you're looking for some holiday reading, I highly recommend you check it out. I'll pop a link in the in the show notes. And you can also find it at teacherthriving.com. Trudy is really passionate about showcasing the work of teachers and and we we share a similar idea about the fact that there's a lot of information out there that is for teachers in their professional life, but but that we want to talk about um, ways to support teachers and showcase teachers in their lifestyle and their and their personal life as well. So that's what Teachers Thriving Magazine is about, and it's beautiful. I highly recommend it. So before we get to this wonderful interview, I've got a couple of announcements. First up, don't forget, if you're listening to this in March or early April 2018, I have a webinar coming up called Preventing Burnout, The Missing Link. It'll be on the 5th of April 2018 at 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. And you can sign up for that at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar. And if if you're listening after April, um, check the website and sign up to my newsletter because there will be a way for you to see the replay. I'm not sure what that will be yet, but check the website, check the newsletter. You'll be able to find links for that there. And also on the website, there is some information about my coaching and you can book a free discovery call uh, at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching. Don't forget, you can also support the show over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash teachers, which you can donate as little as $2 a month or as much as you like, really, uh, to help support the work that I'm doing with this podcast because podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. So every little bit, even if you just want to shout me a cup of coffee to help uh, keep this podcast running smoothly and hitting your sound waves every week, 
that is really appreciated. So another little plug for that. And a reminder that you've only got until the end of April to take part in my book research. After that, I have to get cracking with actually finalizing the book draft and getting it off to the editors. So if you are interested, please email me, ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au. My April is pretty booked up at the moment. So if you do really want to give me your feedback, participate in that, shoot me an email, we'll find a time. And we can also, if you are not sure you've got time to actually have a chat with me, we can always do an email interview. So if that's been something you've been hearing me mention and you think, yep, yep, I'll get onto that, but then you forget, please take action soon because that offer is going away at the end of April. All right, here is the interview with Trudy from Teachers Thriving. Hello, Trudy. How are you? Oh, hi, Ellen. I'm really well, thank you. Fantastic, actually. Thanks for having me. That's good. Thank you for coming on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Let's get started. Can you tell me about your uh, teaching background uh, and your and then what you're doing these days yeah yeah sure Ellen yep okay so teaching background I feel like I'm trawling back into the dark ages almost (laughs) oh it feels like that anyway um so I was a um you know first started teaching in 1990 Mm -hmm. um which is far too many decades ago now and um (laughs) I I've only taught I've taught in um rural you know, um, regional and remote Queensland. I, I have not been to, um, in the capital city or, or the um, mm. lovely coast areas. So, um, yeah, I had about four years of, just about four years of classroom teaching. Um, and then I took the plunge to apply for a teaching principal role that took me to a very remote community up in the Gulf of Carpentaria. So I have been a a principal for a very, very long time. Um, Yeah. uh, And and from there I've had, uh, I I call myself a teacher by trade, an ex-principal, and and then I right now actually work in a a regional support role. Um, I supervise principals, support and challenge them, around um, you know their school improvement and work with them and their leadership team and staff across um, central Queensland so yeah so between my early experience as a small school principal up in the Gulf I've had mm, five schools so that that school is very small of course two teacher school with yeah. three kids and I, I did a, a P, what I call a P, we know as a P10 school mm-hmm. um, in Richmond um, in the middle of the state between Townsville and Mount Isa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came to Rockhampton and I've led three different schools um, around the Rockhampton area. So, and I was doing that up until 2015. And then I started in this regional role. So, yeah, so that's my, wow. that's my background. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've actually really seen every level of education, haven't you? I mean, you've seen, um, you know, every level of the school system in that sense that you've, you've seen, been in the classroom and then you've been in the school leadership role and now you're in the regional office role. So you're, yeah. you're seeing it from all those different perspectives. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I guess, um, well, my I look back and I in some ways think maybe I did myself a disservice and hindsight's an amazing thing, And I, but I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Absolutely, but I kind of think, oh, I wonder if I'd spent more time in the classroom, um, you know, what that would mean for me now. 
Yeah. But I guess what I recognise is that the classroom teachers that I've had the privilege of working with all over all those years, um, I have. A, I guess my set of skills is around looking after them and bringing out the best in them um, mm. and growing them, um, so that you know they're doing great work for kids every day in every classroom. So mm. I, I sort of acknowledge now that I'm not the person who knows teaching craft inside and out because I haven't done that for yeah every day for the last 20 years like some of the amazing teachers I work with and and they know that daily um you know that daily work the 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 high points the low points the nuances the challenges the you know all of that um yeah, so I just kind of recognise that in, in teachers and my role has been as a principal about, you know, help us doing whatever is necessary to grow that in, in our teaching. Yeah. And it's still that now and extended, in, yeah, with principals. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I know that you're really interested in, in the health and well-being of, of the teachers, both the ones that are in your, uh, you know, d- directly um, directly supported by you in your role with um, Education Queensland, but also you have um, a blog, a website, and a uh, beautiful magazine, Teachers Thriving Magazine, which is also about uh, teacher well-being and, and supporting teachers to to be their best. How did that come about? Okay, so I might just track back a little bit to when I sure. was in my last principal role, and it was actually I remember it very well. It was the end of. 2014 and I just had this I guess a number of experiences where things just started to hit my radar where I was picking up messages around teachers not traveling well and really struggling with Mm -hmm. work-life balance and it was beyond my school like I was picking it up picking up messages about teachers across um, our you know our district I was noticing it on social media um there were media reports. Um, yeah, you know Phil Riley's research around um, stress in principals was another another piece that you know mm-hmm. all of that just started to come together for me, and I just went, "Wow, this is this is interesting. This, I haven't noticed this before in our profession." And as I just said, I've been in in you know in teaching for a very long time. So, and I'm not saying it started in 2014. I'm just saying 2014 was when I became aware of it and just started to, I suppose, like anything, when your antenna's up, you pick up more of those messages. Yeah. And so I thought, and I guess I just felt this helplessness around, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be this way. You know, pe- teachers shouldn't feel like that. Like we're teaching kids. It's the most joyous profession you can be involved in. Like p- teachers should feel amazing about the work they do. So I ended up thinking, why are they, you know, what what's the frustration point? And I think for me it's about you need to realise that you've got options. So mm. that, that led me to put together, a, you know, the e-book that's on my website, Teachers Thriving, which was 101 Alternatives um, Careers for Teachers. And it's not uh, – it's not about saying to teachers, you know, I want them to leave. That's not the case at all. I guess I just wanted teachers to realise that there is so much they can do with their qualification and their experience and their passion because the interesting thing is behind 
the messages of frustration and stress and, you know, all the negativity, there's actually this um, core thread in teachers around wanting to make a difference for their kids. Yes. And that's where that comes from, I think. So I just wanted to show that, show educators that there's options. So the ebook's on my website. It's free. I was giving it away in 2015. I still do. It's there for people if they want to have a look at that or if they think that might help them just open up the, you know their options as to what they can do yeah. and but feel less stuck. yes yes and and you'll notice in the book to actually start the first 10 options are all about things that you can do within education you know it's not about leaving um, exactly yeah so uh, you know and I actually sort of counsel or caution people in the start to really seek some advice and you know before they make any drastic decisions so and explore all their options absolutely because Certainly, I mean, I've I've been through that process and I also know that when people are in the midst of frustration, you know, whether it's because it's the end of a term and you're extremely tired and stressed with the, the workload um, and the deadlines and things or perhaps something has happened in your classroom this year or in the school that you're in where there's, um, you know, there may have been some kind of event that has caused some, some stress. Um, it's really hard to think clearly. It's really hard to see and have the perspective and the distance that um, that you can get with a little bit of time, or with, as you say, an outside perspective, some some um, some advice from somebody, so that it's not um, not people making knee jerk decisions in you know in hot blood when they've just had a really really bad term or they're just completely exhausted or some you know some incident has happened that's um, sort of being the last straw. It's not the best time or place to be making decisions, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's so many factors too that need to be yeah. considered. You know, um, mm. financial is an obvious one, but, you know, oh, yeah. you know, what are the options? Is there help you can go and get, whether it be counselling or, um, you know, seeing a doctor? Um, mm. But even, um, you know, looking at your options within education and, you know, it could be, yeah. do a, would a transfer make a difference for me? Or if I go into mm. a different sector, would that, um, you know, work? That's right. Give me a different context or a different challenge mm. and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so that's that was the, the e-book. And then the magazine that you mentioned, which, you know, I've just launched, uh, actually came about probably about April last year um, when the idea when I um, just was drawn to some of the magazines that were in the newsstand and so one of them was Grazier, spelt G-R-A-Z-I-H-E-R, magazine published um, by a, a young woman who doesn't live far from me actually and it's written for women in agriculture um, you know, women in the bush who are involved in agricultural in- industries, beautiful stories, gorgeous magazine. I was drawn to it. And um, another one is is Collective Hub, which is written for, you know, people probably younger than me, <laughs> I must admit, um, who, um, you know, are entrepreneurs and in startups and it's got a real um, business vibe. And But there's social, social good and that sort of messages in it as well. So I just, I went, why is there not a magazine for teachers? There's yeah. part of us. <laughs> um, and and the other part of, about it too, I actually refer to Teachers Thriving magazine as a career and lifestyle magazine. So I think, um, you know, like I was 
women in agriculture, farming or being in agriculture is a lifestyle choice. Um, and I think in so many ways people outside of teaching or outside of education don't realise around, you know, what how that impacts on your lifestyle and the choices you make when you become a teacher. Sometimes you go into teaching and you don't realise you're making that choice until it's your life. But, um, yes, you know, that's and, right. And, and it, you know, what, what exactly what your podcast is about, um, you know, we make sacrifices, we have a certain way of living our life and the seasons of our year mm. and those yes. time that, you know, how a teacher's year unfolds and there's highs and lows and there's routines and rhythms. And, mm. and it's different from other industries in that sense, but we all, ha- we all have that in common. And I love that you say that it's a, being a teacher is a lifestyle choice because, one, again, it's bringing us back to that realisation that it is a choice. We don't want um, to encourage people to leave, but it is a choice to be here. So, you know, be aware of that, but also that that lifestyle is is part of it. And that's one of the things that I, I want to do with this podcast is to talk about the fact that, yes, a lot of the health and well-being advice out there can apply to teachers, but sometimes we have to tweak it for our particular, as you say, that the rhythms and cycles of a teacher's year. Um, so that it applies in in the teacher lifestyle, yeah. you know, circumstance. Yep, exactly. And and look, take the first theme around choice. So one of the things I've tried to do in the magazine is to really celebrate our profession and show the diversity of roles that people have and have created and pursued for themselves with their qualifications and experience and their expertise. So um, you know, there's stories in there about um, Dania Benson, who um, is absolutely in love with her job, and she teaches at Nanaisa School of the Air, and so she, you know, teaches kids in the outback um, and travels great distances to go and do home visits and and has um, you know on air lessons, which are now done you know by the phone and computer. But um, and then contrast that to um, Nanette Raddick, who's the on the cover and Nanette very um, like uh, courageous just comes to mind when I think about Nanette's story because she had a very well established career here in Queensland she was in a leadership role in this you know the school that she was working in very well established and um, I don't know Nanette's exact age but I'm going to guess that she's in her 40s and um, decided she was going to um live out her dream of teaching in England. So, um, you know, made it happen. She went over and she started with an exchange for one year and then stayed for a second year and she's come back. And, of course, I had the privilege of interviewing her and, you know, you can just hear the energy, the renewed passion. She she will tell you that, you know, and and it's... um, in the, in the interview in her story that, and I don't know that she used the word stale, but she certainly was, you know, um, really questioning about where she was in her career and by going um, overseas and teaching, she just feels like she's got a renewed passion and a new renewed respect for teaching, particularly in Queensland, and she you know, that's in her story. Um, and, then and I think you really... Sorry, I was going to say, I think that you really do a really great job of showcasing teachers because, I mean, it is a beautifully presented magazine and I do want listeners to know that, uh, like, I highly recommend it and it's just a a feast for the eyes. It's just beautiful. Um, 
visually, but also the stories are are really uplifting and it, I think it does showcase the best of teaching. So I really recommend it from that perspective too because it's really inspiring. Thank you, Ellen. Um, and and there's a reason for that. So, again, I describe it as it's not your typical um, journal that you'll find littering the staff room table. Um, not at I all. I actually wanted to create a magazine that teachers will look forward to reading in their downtime. So, you know, it's one that I actually want people, teachers to look forward to their Sunday morning with, you know, a cup of tea in bed, uh, a lazy lazy lion and and open up, um, you know, their their magazine and feel great about uh, taking some time out for themselves but also feel, you know, um, really proud of the work they do and that they are in an amazing career Um, and, and and, you know, and we're diverse and um, it's exciting and to bring some of the positivity back too, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. So, the, so the look and feel was very um, specific, you know, that was, t- that was intended for that reason. I wanted it to be very different to, to all those other professional journals that are out there. Uh, with mm, the, black and white yeah. text-based yeah yeah um and you know there's pages with just quotes in there um yes I love those pages because I mean it's like the same thing you like well the same thing I enjoy Instagram for being just a a beautiful inspiring visual you know experience um it's similar to that like those the quote quote pages are just um it's that same kind of vibe I get anyway. Yeah, and then um, tried to be practical too. One of the things that I got in feedback from talking to teachers was they'd love, um, you know, recommended podcasts, apps, um, tools like that that they can use. So, you know, there's a page of um, I call it the tech toolkit, but the thing about yes. them is that they are about looking after teachers. So, um, you know, they're not about the pedagogy that you should be using for reading in your lesson on Monday morning. It's about, yeah, they're, they're um, tech tools for, you know, um, improving your, your well-being. Um, yeah, you know, because, because you're a person first yes. and a teacher second. Yeah, so there's a meditation app there in this issue and there's one about um, – there's actually designs, one app's um, designed specifically for teachers um, about, and it helps you keep track of, um, yeah, your time at work and how much – how many hours you are working and it gives you the traffic light signal. So there's that. And there's a list of conferences as well, you know, cut down on all that time you've been yeah. searching. So there's a list of conferences around Australia. Um, and then I've also had um, guest contributors too. So, um, you know, Lee Shadell has written a fabulous piece on um, the, the place of finance in our wellbeing and there's a lovely quiz there that you can do around your wellbeing and what areas you know, you need to prioritise. Um, Lynn Foley's written a piece around the seasons of leadership and then um, Melissa Goodall is actually an art educator and she wrote the, the travel piece um, which will take you through the lovely parts of Europe with an art focus. So there's that kind of lifestyle aspect to the magazine as well. Mm, I really I really like it, yeah. Um, well, so... So we've talked about the magazine and it is beautiful and I highly recommend it. Um, Trudy, can you tell us about in your experience, in your career, um, especially with the breadth of experience that you've had in the different um, different parts of the education system, 
What kind of health and wellbeing challenges have you experienced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, um, probably the most significant one would be, oh, gee, there are, now that I think about it, there's so many really. Um, <laughs> I, I think the first, the, the most significant one that comes to mind initially is, is that of managing little people, my own, my own family. You know, I was a, I was a principal before I had children. So, um, you know, when, when I had my first and then my second child, um, it's that whole balance of your work commitments. And in my case, I was running a school, um, with, you know, raising children and being there for them and managing the guilt that goes with that. And I was actually, my boys were both very small when I went back to work. Um, I had fantastic care arrangements, so I feel really blessed um, because of that. But um, probably the two little parts in that that I would share with others, you know, and particularly other mums or mums-to-be who are educators um, is um, the guilt aspect, you know, recognize that you're doing that to yourself and you can just let it go. <laughs> um, yeah. Just let that guilt go. Um, I used to try and be logical in my own brain and say, look, it's only in um, Western societies that we have this belief, as crazy it is, that, you know, children have to be raised by their, you know, mother and father. Um, and so, you know, in other cultures, it, it's the whole family. So, it's the whole and village. The whole village. No. So if you, you know, are in a situation where you're returning to work and you're feeling guilty that you, you know, that somehow your child is missing out because they're in the care of someone else, that's just an expectation and a mindset you and probably our culture has created and it's not so in other places. That's how I rationalise that. And I can tell you that I now have a 20-year-old and a 16-and-a-half-year-old and they're okay. You know, they're doing fine and well. <laughs> yeah. And, in fact, because I was a working mum, they're probably much more independent and, you know, they've had, you know, me as a, a role model for what women can do. Absolutely. And so they hopefully, you know, are more respectful young men as a result. So, um, that's the first bit. Um, the other bit around having children is they are un unnatural balances. So they, you just automatically start to say, I'm not taking this work home because in actual fact, I'm not going to be doing that tonight. I'm going to spend time with my kids. So they, yeah. they kind of equalise that out, I guess. It's that perspective again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they bring that. And I guess there's one other two that I've learnt um, – from my experience, Ellen, and I think this might be common in teachers, I certainly would believe it's common in principals, and I guess that's why I want to share it. And it's not about having children, it's just the way we process things. And I've picked up on a lot of issues around people not sleeping well. I'm a great sleeper. I can sleep anywhere. But I will, I will confess that there, I've spent far too many nights lying in bed rehearsing conversations or working out what I'm going to do tomorrow and losing a bit of sleep over, you know, a whole range of things. And some things are really important and, you know, you do need to get them right. But as time's gone on and I've, you know, with more and more experience, I actually realised that lying in bed and stressing about that sort of stuff and losing sleep um, is actually pointless because you get to work the next day and you deal with it. And half the time all those if buts and maybes that you've, you know, created in your own mind don't actually come into being anyway and it's... Yeah. it's it's 10 times worse in your head than what it is in reality in most cases. So I, I just, I guess in probably the last well, five to 10 years, I've just 
learnt to let go of that and I would, if I could, I'd pass that on to others as well that, you know, the next time you're lying in bed thinking about stuff, stressing about what might happen the next day, actually reflect on whatever it is the next day when it's said and done and you'll probably realise that losing all that time, stressing over it in, in your own time, in your family time is not worth it. So Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think both of those points are, you know, there's that theme of letting go, letting mm. go of the guilt and letting go of the um, the anxiety about, you know, things that might need to get done. But, of course, it's easier said than done to do. But I think it's still good to have the reminder because then you can be on the lookout and more aware of your thinking in those moments and then to remind yourself to let go and that letting go is a practice. It does You don't just do it once, you know. No. You, you do it over and over and eventually those thoughts stop being, um, you know, that guilt perhaps stops being there for you or that those sleepless nights become less because you've learned through real experience as exactly what you were saying that this time tomorrow it will be done and it will be fine. Um, yeah. But I'm yeah. picking up that theme of letting go very strongly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really, re- that's really good advice, I think. Um, as, you know, as I said, easier said than done, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, yeah. So, Trudy, what does well-being and self-care mean to you? What does it look like in your life? Oh, you know, and, and I still struggle with this. <laughs> You know, I think the first thing is acknowledge, yeah, and I think the first thing is actually acknowledging that that is the case, and that you're never actually going to get it exactly right. That there's ebbs and flows, and um, it's never going to be perfect. And again, it's that your own expectations around what you think it should be like, or you know, the the expectations you put on yourself around how you should be doing things. Um, and I think I'm getting better, um, Ellen, at just making conscious decisions, you know, and I guess, you know, the word now is mindfulness. So being in the moment and making choices, wise choices and realise you're making those choices and being okay with that choice. Um, and a, a colleague actually a couple of years ago, we were talking about work-life balance and he corrected us and said, no, it's work-life satisfaction. You yes. actually realise that there's parts that are out of balance but you are, you know, you have a level of satisfaction and you're okay with it. That's um, a beautiful term. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's been times when I've worked, you know, crazy hours. I still am an early riser and I'll get up and do, you know, a couple of hours of work because that's when I do my best work because I'm mm. fresh. Yeah. Um, and that's not right for others. Um, but, yeah, there's times in my life when I can do that, but then there's been other times in my life when I certainly couldn't, you know, when I had little people and I was sleep-deprived, that didn't happen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and now that I've got big grown-up kids, um, you know, I can, you know, put in some crazy hours if I need to um, and that's um, that's okay. The other bit too, Ellen, I probably want, talk about that I think a lot about is the importance of having something in your work that you actually love that makes you um it's almost cliche but you know get out of bed in the morning and what I'm finding is that it's more and more about the side projects that people create for themselves um and it's not necessarily that it's 
outside of work because when I was in schools, I'd have what I would call a side project, but it would be something that I was really engaged in within my work that challenged me, that was stretching me. I love learning. So, you know, there was learning components for me. Um, and it was something that I was curious about, you know, and I just think there's lots of opportunities there when people actually pursue those side projects that just bring them alive. I and really love that. Yeah, and when you look at people who, in, and, you know, go back to the magazine, the stories in there, it's really interesting to actually notice how people have pursued those side projects and they have... Um, you know, brought them into an area of, as a, a specialist or seen as an expert in a particular field within education. So I guess that's another thing too in terms of work-life balance is, and I mean, and then to, you know, to, to put your energy into that and your time into, a, you know, one of those projects or initiatives, you actually do need to then go, right, I will, you know, I'm not going to waste time on this whatever this might be, because that's not actually beneficial. It's not making any difference for the kids in my class. I'm going to let that go so that I can put energies into this, which, you know, I'm excited about, is great for kids and is, you know, going to make a difference in the long run. So, And I, you know, and I can contribute to uh, my colleagues' knowledge, you know, uh, I'm I'm asked to share this. I'm, you know, it's impacting on kids bigger than my class or, you know, there's a whole world of opportunity out there. But I just think that, yeah, that's another aspect that um, is that what brings you energy. Yeah, I really like that. Also because certainly as a music teacher, most of the bits of the job that I enjoyed the most were not really the bits the main bits of the job, <laughs> um, the you know, it was the musical rehearsals and and the choir rehearsals and the, um, you know, awards night performances and things. Those were the things that, I mean, technically if the union came in and said, oh, we're, we're working to rule, all those extracurricular things are out because we've, we're working to rule this month or whatever as part of some kind of enterprise bargaining things, those would be the things that all went out the door because technically my actual job was to be in the classroom teaching the kids and doing the assessment and the report cards. But it was really those other parts that were what gave me joy, the bits that I got to really connect with the students and we had fun and we had, you know, made beautiful music together and all of those things. That was the the joy in it for me really. Yes, hard work and sometimes, you know, weekend rehearsals and late nights and whatever. But um, I really like that that reminder that, you've yeah, find that thing that is your thing that gets you up in the morning, that lights you up when you talk about it um, and think about it and, and sort of focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that's a really beautiful place to leave it. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um Maybe just where people can find me or the magazine. Um, and it's easy, teacherthriving.com. Just, yeah, go to the website and you, you'll find the magazine. You'll find if you're looking for the ebook, um, 101 Alternative Careers for Teachers, that's there. And on the blog too, and we didn't talk about the blog itself, but there's um, stories there. There's career stories of different people um, in different roles and there's some tips too around um, you know, just different career tips and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I highly recommend looking up teacherthriving.com and I will put all of the links and also to your social media as well because you're on Facebook and Instagram. I'll put links to those in the show notes. 
Um, and thank you very much, Trudy. This has been wonderful. Not a problem. Thanks, Alan. It's been a whole lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 